What's going on, everybody? You're tuning in to the Welcome to Instant Pharma podcast with a PH. More than ever, employers need to know the latest and greatest buzz surrounding the fastest growing part of the American healthcare dollar, pharmacy benefits. So sit back, relax, and be entertained as the One Digital Pharmacy Consulting Team brings topics, ideas, and strategies to help you drive business growth and unleash people potential. Please know this podcast episode discusses sensitive subject matter relating to weight and weight loss. Thank you for joining our One Digital Pharmacy Consulting Podcast, Instant Pharma. I'm your host, Richard Lowe, joined by my famous co-host, Madison Edelman. Today, we really want to discuss the key focuses and trends on pharmacy, something that's just a dynamic industry, and we all agree that as plan sponsors, employers, employees, there's so many different things that we can't keep up with. So that's our goal for this podcast, to have candid conversations as far as what you need to consider, what everyone's thinking about, are there costs associated, anything and everything to help you make the best decisions. And have some fun, hopefully. Absolutely. (laughs) So again, my role with the One Digital Pharmacy Consulting Team, I'm the Clinical Services Manager. I am a pharmacist. Um, coming up on 15 years now, it's kind of crazy, and really just support our clients and anything uh, to do with pharmacy benefits. And uh, Madison, what's your role with the company? So I'm our engagement and well-being specialist for the national practice, Um, and what that means really is on a day-to-day basis, I support our clients' employees. So I think today will be interesting. You're coming from the employer perspective in your role mainly, and I'm coming from the employee perspective. Um, so I'm really excited to be here with you today. So today we're going to talk about, I think, you know, you've heard the disclaimer in the, in the beginning of the podcast is, is weight loss. It's a very hot topic. It, it continues to trend. Um, it's something that, you know, in a lot of my client conversations, it, it keeps coming up. And there's definitely been a spike and an uptick of, of utilization, use, um, but also just in everywhere. We're just inundated in the media um, and we're continuing to see this trend um, not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And we really want to just decipher, you know, what is real, what might not be, and really just how to handle um, the different mentality in terms of thinking and really giving you and equipping you if it's clinical-based research or if it's just cost-based, just that whole trend and that whole, you know, expansion of, of what do we need to know between pharmacy and then also on the health and well-being side. But before we get to that piece, <laughs> um, let's just back up for a bit. So, Madison, I haven't talked to you in a while, so what have you been up to? Um, you know, Richard, <laughs> and it's funny, before we get into it, a couple weeks ago I was mentioning to a colleague we were going to be doing this podcast together, and she said, oh, with Rob Lowe. <laughs> and so now whenever I say Richard, I want to say Rob. <laughs> well, wonderful. I'll take it. I get Robert so much, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. As long as you don't call me the other name for Richard, we're all good. Oh, okay. I gotcha. <laughs> it might slip today. Yes. Um, if I mentioned, I'm getting married in November, and so we've just been down in the trenches wedding planning. Um, well, congrats. <laughs> and, and maybe we... Maybe. No pun intended. Should we do another podcast on that? Is yes, that whole, is that a whole, the whole piece? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about you? What have you been up to? All right. So for me, 
um, other than studying drugs all the time. Um, this is crazy. So I'm in my, I call it mid-30s, even though everyone says late 30s. <laughs> Age is um, relative. <laughs> yes, this is not a midlife crisis, but just a few weeks ago, I competed in my um, first and I think only, I'm going to say only, bodybuilding um, contest. Wow. Yes. How'd you place? I actually, I just looked back on the stats here, um, and actually, I got, officially was third, but I actually tied for second. Oh. Yes. So, out of um, nine competitors, and it's just something I I just didn't want to regret not ever doing, um, you know, definitely really challenging, and I just thought there would be a few competitors that would you know, do this as part of their bucket list mm -hmm. and they would just show up. It's mm -hmm. just a little voluntary fun thing. No, every single person showed up pretty swole and, and looked <laughs> like they were in it to win it. Uh, so I was really surprised and um, happy to, to do as well as I did. But at the end of the day, I just wanted to do it and, and say that I did it. I think 100% of the time, it was really, really, really hard uh, <laughs> all the way through. I'm not even sure I would recommend it for anyone, but... <laughs> Um, 100% right afterwards, after the completion, I was really thankful um, that it did. It taught me a lot about myself and kind of the, the mental fortitude that it takes. Oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine. I, good for you for doing that. Um, I've never gotten into that. I did I did do two marathons in one day, though. Wait, in one day? Yeah. Uh, my first one and my last one. Oh, so I counted as two. <laughs> okay. There's your two. <laughs> but seriously, that, that is really inspiring. Um, how long did you uh, train for it? Okay, so that was the key. I didn't want to, want to make it like this drawn out process, um, but it was 37 days. Um, I say 37 because I didn't think that was a long time, but, mm -hmm. but with um, the diff different nutrition and the um, exercise plan, mm -hmm. it definitely every single day you're counting down. Um, I think I only had about, as far as food, like just six different types of food. Not like food groups, but six different items of food. Like chicken, rice, broccoli. Not even rice. It was like oh. chicken, turkey, and tilapia. Oh, wow. The same things at the grocery store. So oh, gosh. I'm sure I up their, uh, their inventory. They would have to carry. <laughs> yeah, well, I think this is the perfect segue into our topic today. Um, so do you want to get down into the nitty-gritty of what the listeners are here for? Absolutely. Um what can we do to just make, you know, just kind of continue to empower employees to, to live healthier lives? And it really just increases, you know, not only their work-life balance, but also helps better their performance as well. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand sort of kind of the background on the whole weight loss industry um, so I guess maybe we start with this, Madison. Okay. Um, just to give our listeners some background, uh, what is the prevalence when we talk about weight and just maybe even obesity itself? And, you know, it's a scary term we throw out there. Yeah. But obesity is real and how that can lead to other conditions such as diabetes, high blood pressure, um, high cholesterol. Yeah, great questions there. Um, and I think we could have a whole other podcast just on the prevalence uh, because it is it is widespread and um, like you said it is both an underlying risk and an indicator for um, many diseases including the top um, causes of early death 
premature death. Um, it's associated with cancer. It's associated with diabetes, as you said, cardiovascular issues, um, COVID, the list goes on and on. Um, and the CDC actually reported that um, the prevalence of people that are overweight or obese is actually 94% of U.S. adults. Um, again, that's overweight and obese, so not saying that all of us are clinically obese, but yeah, it's it's um, increasing and prevalence is just increasing every year. Over the past 20 years, um, obesity has gone up 11%, um, specifically in certain regions and um, demographics, so women, um, minorities, specifically black people, um, and those that are in the Southeast and the Midwest are at the highest risk of obesity. And there's probably a lot of different reasons for that. Um, I, I could point to inflation being a crazy cause, you know, just as far as just going to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know as far as making, you know, a, having the affordability piece come into play for the healthier choices. Um, just like I, I looked at the ground turkey the other day. Mm -hmm. Not that I would ever want to eat that again. But, um, <laughs> I use that for my dog's dog food. So yes, I there you go. Uh, it, you know, it went up from like $6 last month and now it's $10. Oh yeah. Package. So um, I think it's just stacked up against society here in terms of trying to make the healthier choices mm -hmm. um, uh, again. And then also just being the, in the, Hustle and bustle. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, if you don't have a full-time job and you're not raising children and you're not a caregiver um, and you have the luxury of being able to afford whatever you can, I think it's going to be a lot easier. And I think all of our audience can attest to that. Um, and so I probably should have mentioned my background at the beginning, um, but I have my master's in public health. And so a lot of my educational background is in those underlying causes that you mentioned. Um, and so those really surround the social determinants of health. Um, so your socioeconomic status, your distance to a grocery store, um, whether you have transportation to said grocery store, and then your economic stability. So all of those things come into play here. Absolutely. And when we, when we talk about access to care, um, you know, that spans whether that is, you know, having access to making those healthier choices. Also, that spans into... Um, access to medications if, if that's appropriate. But before we get into kind of the, the drug piece of this, mm -hmm. um, you know, for our listeners, I think there's there's also the the wellness side and the well-being side. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of those kind of intermingling, can you talk to me about as far as where you see there's called, we talk about we coin the term very often in the one digital side, convergence, um, where there is a convergence story or a necessity between what you do, the health and well-being side, and then what I do in, on the pharmacy side. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm obviously biased here, but I, I like to say that our department is convergence. Um, you know, we touch, obviously, health insurance. We touch the financial retirement and wealth vertical. And then pharmacy, I think we're um, the most aligned in our ability to offer employees what they need while at the same time containing the costs and reaching the goals and objectives of our client. I think that pharmacy and well-being go hand in hand in terms of prevention and access. I think it's really important to mention that because whenever I see different solutions out in the marketplace, and again, I get frustrated sometimes because I see it sometimes siloed so much oh, yeah. to where the conversation doesn't doesn't span and it's not a, a true handoff. 
I yeah. think it's really important to be an effective team that one conversation does lead to another, that we truly understand what each other's doing, kind of staying within those lanes, but then also intermingling. And I think that creates a better outcome. Oh, definitely. I think that when digital is unique and that um, we still have that mom and pop feel in terms of customer service, but our clients are armed with a plethora of these experts um, across all fronts um, for their, their goals and, and what they want to do in the next few years for their long-term strategy. All right. So talking about strategy, <laughs> what, what has changed over the past few years in terms of on the well-being side, um, in terms of weight loss management, that's what we're talking to, about today. What you know, there's well-being programs, and I think the number one question we get from anyone is, you know, are they are they really effective? Do you get that ROI there? What? Tell me what what you've seen over the past few years. So everyone's heard the term wellness. When you hear wellness, you think flu shots. Um, maybe biometric screenings, and then free water bottles and a walking challenge. Um, if you've watched The Office, the weight loss challenge where they get on the scale in the warehouse yes. and all weigh together, that's wellness. Um, which all those things are fine and well, but to your point, we do not see most of the time a real ROI or even a VOI for those. Um, they're, they're old school. And so at One Digital, we are taking a more modernized and holistic approach. And so that's why um, my title is Engagement and Wellbeing. So we harness both employee communications and engagement and well-being, which encompasses population health, um, social determinants, DEI and B, and much more. Um, and so some of the strategies that we use to drive those outcomes are um, targeting employee health literacy and access to care, um, the awareness of their benefits and resources, um, as well as driving utilization of their employer-sponsored plans. Um, and to your point, educating them on, you know, what's the difference between generic and brand name prescriptions? Um, why shouldn't you go to the ER if you have a cold? Stuff like that. Um, and so really to sum it up, I think my goal in my job is to empower our clients' employees um, to have some self-efficacy for their own health and well-being. And I think that you would agree that's your goal here today too. Absolutely. Uh, I love the intention and purpose behind it. It's not just a um, just closed box solution where if it works, perfect. Mm -hmm. And it probably won't. <laughs> and, you know, I think there's that, that intentionality, the design behind, you know, what are we trying to achieve here? Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that. Um, this, this word again thrown out, holistic. Mm -hmm. um, what does that truly mean? I think it really does mean it's it's comprehensive. It's taking all of the information and producing some an output mm -hmm. that really does affect that specific population. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing now, especially when you talk about the prevalence of obesity and also diabetes, is just again a uh, a surge in medication utilization um, for those indications, specifically um, medication called Ozempic belongs mm -hmm. to a class called GLP-1s. Um, but, you know, what we've seen, especially from last year in 2022, is just a, a significant uptick. And I think the cause, I mean, I I think there's a varying pieces. I think the prevalence is there, mm -hmm. but also these drugs have been around um, 
for almost 10 years. They're, they're not new. But why <laughs> did all of a sudden, did we start to see, you know, plan spends across our book just increase over 90 to 100% year over year? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think some of it did come from, from some of the uh, social media. I mean, that's, that's a piece of our society that's not going to go away. Oh, yeah. I saw something yeah. in, um, about Weight Watchers in the media. Could you talk a little bit about that? Have you seen that? I saw that they had shifted their push um, away just from, I think they have like the points yes. um, and, and counting those. And now they've inve- made a significant investment in terms of using these medications um, to manage these conditions. So, yeah, I definitely saw that investment. Did you see anything else? Um, I know I just saw that. Oprah's involved, um, which I think going back to your social media point, love Oprah to death, but um, I don't think our celebrities and TikTokers uh, should be necessarily pushing for these just because our diet culture and quick fix culture in America is so, so strong. Absolutely. And then you mentioned TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm too old for that. (laughs) um, But (laughs) but, uh, again, uh, TikTok's Pretty mainstream. I did do a Google search, so I, I, I did that. And did you know how many views? Um, uh, again, I mentioned mentioned the drug Ozempic. That's the one that's really caught on uh, from different celebrities. You had mentioned Oprah, also like Jimmy Kimmel, um, Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just really mainstream, um, you know, celebrities using that. But as far as or mentioning it. Um, but as far as, do you know how many views the term Ozempic got on TikTok? Um, I have no clue. How many? So it's 1.2 billion. Oh my gosh. Yes. So again, um, I think it's just understanding as far as, you know, what the science is behind it and as far as considering what you need to know about the medication. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've heard again that so many people, I have family members and friends that take it or other GLP ones. Um, and all they report are positives. They've lost weight. They are not starving all the time. They feel they're in a better mood and can sleep better. So could you talk me through some of the negatives to it? Let me tell you how that, let me start by saying, you know, how they work first. And then, yeah, I mean, as far as again, they're GLP ones, uh, stands for glucagon like peptide. Um, essentially what, what all of this means is when you take the medication, um, your body releases this hormone and you essentially just feel full. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, mean, I think the key to kind of like any diet is, and you hear it often, it's just like eat less or decrease your caloric intake. Mm-hmm. And I think we all acknowledge that it is difficult to do. Oh yeah. It, diets are <laughs> definitely difficult. Um, you know, you really need that encouragement there, but but as far as these types of medications, they help you feel full. They send messages, um, you know, to your brain, and then also um, helps your pancreas release more insulin that helps kind of break down the sugar as well. So these medications essentially do help you eat less, mm-hmm. and then would lead to weight loss. And the benefits of it, especially when, when you hear from, from different users of it, they're seeing, you know, 15, 20, 25% weight loss. And that 
I don't want to use the word revolutionary, but it's definitely above the standard. Oh yeah. Um, previously, we saw different weight loss medications. Again, they've they've been around for a long time. Um, there's one that that back in the '90s they had a medication called Fenfen, and it was um, pretty popular. But for that one, had some um, you know bad side effects in terms of of um, heart damage and, and really having bad effects on the cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as these ZLP ones, again, they're newer. They're we haven't really seen too many long long term studies. Um, and initial studies do show that they are showing some significant weight loss. So there definitely is the benefit there. Um, but to shift kind of over to what you mentioned, the side effects. Yeah, what are the down? I so far I'm hearing no downsides. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so um, again, as far as the studies show, a couple different downsides. The side effects we've seen the most common ones are I think one in three or one in four will experience um, nausea, vomiting, GI upset. Mm-hmm. It's very common with this medication has actually caused um, some to actually discontinue use of the medication. Um, another, they, they have some long, like, long-term like warnings where, again, there's you have to weigh out the risk versus benefit, but they're not being talked about, mm-hmm. um, would be thyroid cancer. There's, there's a potential risk for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another um, study showing what's called... Uh, facial aging. So yes. So again, there, there are some where you really need to understand kind of what the risks are, the side effects there. Um, again, when you take the medication, there is that, that weight loss Mm -hmm. and that could lead to a decreased risk in some of those other comorbidities that you talk about in terms of diabetes. Um, and then also lowering A1C. Uh, but then kind of continuing that conversation, though, would be, you know, is like, I guess with all trends, is it a fad? That's kind of the, the, yeah. big, the big question. Yeah. Long-term wise, there's still not enough studies. But again, that, that answer, everyone wants that answer. So as far as there is a trial that did continue on to show all right, what if someone stopped taking the medication? Mm -hmm. Did it really get to the root cause? Mm -hmm. And do we have an outcome that, you know, really made a meaningful impact? Well, it was almost instantaneous. There is that rebound and users would regain essentially almost all of the weight that they had lost. So within a pretty short period of time, within a short period of time, um, they had it within just a few months to rebound uh, I will tell you then, if you only look at that study, then there's really no exit strategy. Yeah. At this point, you would consider it almost like a maintenance type medication. I mean, which makes sense, right? Because if it was initially prescribed for type two diabetes, that's you know a chronic condition. Correct. You and good. You're <laughs> pharmacist there, so Ozempic itself, yes, Ozempic <laughs> itself actually is only indicated for um, diabetes. Okay. And it's actually not approved by the FDA for weight loss. They actually created the same drug. So they created the same, they just remarketed the same drug <laughs> under a different name called Wagobi. Okay. And um, that one is indicated for weight loss. But so again, 
just clarify yes. for me, Ozempic is the diabetes name, yes. and Wigovi would be the weight loss name, but it's the same thing. Same thing. Okay. They have, like, different dosing okay. a little bit. But, again, when I talk to you about the plant's been increasing the increased utilization, mm-hmm. it's on the Ozempic, and what we're seeing is technically, I'm using air quotes for you guys who can't see this. <laughs> yeah, it's um, more off-label usage. Okay. Um, I mean, as far as how different pharmacy benefit managers, that's a whole other piece in terms of how they're managing that and making sure there's guardrails in terms of, well, shouldn't they catch it there? It varies between vendor and and even the guidelines states, you know, these GLP-1s can be used in terms of first-line therapy. So it's still difficult to say if it's appropriate or not. Wow. Yeah, so you, you could go in easily to say, all right, I can attest I have diabetes and use it for weight loss, or you actually do, and it's approved for diabetes. So there is a, there is definitely, I would say, a strong um, suggestion that a lot of off-label utilization is taking place. Um, and without jumping the gun here, let me know if you want to explain further your co- your clients, your customers, um, is that a challenge that they're facing day to day? Is this becoming a major issue for your customers? And if so, how are they addressing this? I think from the, there's the employee side and then there's the employer side. Mm-hmm. So from the employees, first of all, I think the, the recent surges first led to a lot of shortages. Yeah. So people who really do need it aren't able to access it. They may have to change medications, um, possibly within the same class, but it's still a headache uh, and also concerning. And, and you'd be worried not having your medication to manage diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, then as also from the employee side is knowing and deciphering. Um, I think there's an inherent trust here, you know, in, in our study, it's better for everyone to really trust their position and yeah. what they're prescribing. Yeah. So how do you know what's real or not? And then also where your benefits are coming from, you know, is, is your employer covering these medications here? Mm-hmm. Because for all intents and purposes, that person probably thinks, yeah, I need the medication. I don't know if you're going to cover it or not, uh, especially on the weight loss side. Yeah. Now, um, as far as employers kind of getting to that side, and there's more to unpack on the employee side, but for the employers, I think a lot of plan sponsors are seeing um, just their spend to go up. And this is kind of going into cost yep. now because uh, medications, these are brand medications. They come with a cost. Um, they're over, over on average, over a thousand dollars per month on these medications. Um, the Ozempic gets injected once weekly, but yes, they are over a thousand dollars. So if you put it on an annualized scale, it ranges from twelve to fifteen thousand um, dollars per year for these medications. Is that total like cost shared between employer and employee? Is um, that what the employer is paying? That's what the employer is paying. Cost shares usually, if you're not in a high deductible health plan, then you're, or even if you are, you're still paying more than likely an affordable amount if you are covered for that medication. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about it, you got to have two different buckets. You have the diabetes side, which is most likely, I would say hundred percent time, a covered benefit. Yep. Then you have the weight loss side, yep. which 65% of employers actually exclude that class. So that's why you're seeing Ozempic more than 
Wagobi. Um, but as far as what uh, members or patients are paying for their medication, um, there is manufacturer assistance made basically a, a coupon card that lowers their final final out of pocket responsibility, um, and it definitely makes it affordable, either free or you know no more than fifty dollars for that medication. Um, but also, what we're seeing in terms of that is they're changing the terms of that program, especially this year, saying your employer needs to cover this for, for weight loss. Um, so I can, you know, so they can actually use the benefits in terms of reducing their cost share. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, still that 12 to 15,000 for the employers. And that's something they need to consider. Oh yeah. And that's a tough call though, because if you're the end user, you may think that, you know, you may believe and really truly believe that this is the way, um, to lose weight. Um, and everything else really hasn't worked, but then as an employer, that's a very tough decision in terms of, you know, is, is this something where it's a non-negotiable or is this really, again, something that's just a trend and it's truly unsustainable because you start adding up yeah. all the numbers, then, um, the cost can, can really stack up quickly. Yeah. I feel it's a little bit tricky just from a, a social responsibility perspective, um, of helping your people be their best inside and outside of work. Um, and B, I would be worried about this communication. So if, let's say, I was on um, Wagovi and when digital stopped covering me, um, I would be outraged. So how do you suggest um, clients and employers communicate um, and then help employees find alternatives? That's a difficult question. <laughs> there you go. It's one of those where I should have prepped for this one. Um, yeah, I think going back to looking at all of the information. Mm -hmm. Again, the guidelines, they didn't remove um, nutrition and exercise um, protocols. So, again, going back to, to what you do and, and looking at well-being programs, is there something that employers can look at and inserting. Tying back into what you were saying about the study that showed there was no long-term um, weight loss. They gained it back after a certain amount of time. Um, and I think that really goes back to behavior change, taking the pill, taking a medication only, whether it's a mental health issue um, or a obesity overweight issue. If you're just taking a medication and you're not engaging in preventive or healthy lifestyle behaviors, um, you're not actually changing anything. You're just using the medication as a crutch in some cases. And so would it be an option for um, well-being programs to require you to engage in, because we have uh, great partners in this space, in the weight loss and behavioral change space. So is it compliant to require certain people to engage in that program? Um, and before they're able to access the weight loss medication or how would that work? Yeah. So as, as consultants, that's what we're always striving to do to kind of continue to look at the fiduciary duty, the, you know, who's managing these pieces for us. Oftentimes mm -hmm. we, um, we fall into a trap of just trusting our vendors and not always optimizing and challenging them, mm -hmm. um, to, to perform at the highest level. Um, so yes, looking at, those programs, can they be inserted in terms of 
uh, what we call prior authorization or step therapy type criteria in order to, you know, meet the step first. Can we ensure that this has been, been tried again? And that's what we're working towards. Insert, working with our vendors to potentially insert this again. There's so many different podcasts we could have on okay. this, um, but yeah, there there are limitations. I will tell you, there are limitations. Um, but in a perfect scenario, again, that and that's what makes healthcare so challenging. Mm-hmm. It's coordinating and orchestrating all of this to fit together mm-hmm. and make it be very cohesive and consistent. Um, and when there's sometimes conflicts or competing interests. Those are really challenges and barriers. Uh, but again, um, one digital plug here, that, that's why you need really that top subject matter expert, um, consultative broker to lead those conversations um, to kind of blaze that path for you. But also understand that these aren't really pilots. These are really good solutions, and we want to make sure that whole ecosystem works together. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, um, with the stepwise approach, I think – we need to be sensitive about this subject again, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode. This, especially me being a woman, um, this can be someone's you know greatest insecurity, and so we have to be sensitive from a broker perspective and from a client perspective about how we're communicating and rolling out these programs. Um, I'm sure our listeners are chomping at the beat a bit to speak with you about this. Um, could you tell us some you know next steps to get in touch with you, engage with One Digital? Um, anything else? Absolutely. So if you haven't checked it out yet, um, I think we'll we'll provide a link as well. Um, so I guess hopefully in the in the edit, <laughs> we put a link there. Head um, <laughs> over at onedigital.com. Um, there's a pharmacy consulting page. Well, contact info there, um, and really just having just what we're having today, a candid conversation as far as what to consider. Um, we want to be purposefully and intentionally consultative towards your goals and just to provide different solutions that aren't um, perhaps just on the shelf. We want to make sure that they do have purpose behind it and that it really helps to meet your goals, whatever time frame that is. And uh, why, again, pharmacy is really important because just as quick as medications come to market, costs come up. Mm-hmm. I think we have really good solutions. I, I know we have really, really good <laughs> solutions in terms of mitigating and bringing those costs down mm-hmm. while also protecting the employee benefit experience, not taking away. And that there's something to be said for that. Oftentimes we'll see a lot of cost shifting take place mm-hmm. um, or just a huge burden back on the employees because they are driving the performance of the plan. We really don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. We want to look at different solutions and see, all right, can we make a huge impact here across the board, but also make sure we actually enhance and um, make that experience even better for your employees. Yeah, I think I think this conversation is is heading in the right direction. Um, hopefully we can outpace the TikTokers of the world to get this message out. We'll try, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, thank you everyone for joining. Um, again, I'm Richard Lowe. This is Madison Edelman. We really appreciate um you guys uh, tuning in, and we hope that uh, you'll continue to come back for more amazing, awesome, entertaining, at least, uh, content. And thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Pharma. Be sure to subscribe to our show and check out onedigital.com 
to connect with us.